Romans chapter number 2 tonight. Romans chapter number 2. The Old Testament prophets as well as the New Testament apostles had a time getting the Jews to see that they had a sin problem. Paul laid out the argument here in Romans showing that both Jew and Gentile really have the same problem. It's a sin problem of which the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only remedy. Uh, Yes, the Gentiles were sinners. And the Jews looked at them as being egregious sinners. Uh, They needed a Savior. But the Jews were sinners. And really, they were religious sinners. (laughs) That's what they were. Um, They ought to have known better except they're sinners by nature. Yeah? When you're a sinner by nature, you can't help but sin. But they would deny that they had sin nature. In our text in Romans, we said that there are ten advantages the Jew had over the Gentile that he boasted in and took pride in. And the first five of those had to do with what the Jew was. We looked at verses 17 and 18 that we saw last week. Let's take a look at these five things because it just you know, it's boom, boom, boom. It's right there in front of you. Look at verse 17 and 18. Behold, thou art called a Jew. There's number one. And restest in the law. There's number two. And makest thy boast of God. There's number three. And knowest his will. There's number four. And approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. So those were the things uh, that the Jew was. Now tonight, the last five have to do with what the Jew did verses 19 and 20, and that's what we want to look at tonight. Um, Let's just read verse 19 and 20 for now. We'll come back and take a look at some other verses afterward uh, in the message, later on in the message. Verse 19, And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind. There's the first of the last five things there. A light of them which are in darkness. There's number two. An instructor of the foolish. There's number three. A teacher of babes. There's number four. Which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Let's take a look at what the Jew did here. And they would just one at a time here take these things and, and look at them in, in detail. The Jews' confidence of their advantage over the Gentile not only rested in what they were, but also in what they did. Their, what, what we're talking about is their works. Not only that they were Jews, but uh, they prided themselves in their works as Jews. Now the Jew was confident that he was, first of all, was a guide of the blind. The Jew felt confident that he was in a position to lead those who did not have the law. Now Paul understood this very well because before his conversion, that is the way that he was. Um, In Acts 26 and verse number 5, Paul said that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He's talking about Judaism. You You take the strictest Judaism strictest Pharisee in Judaism. Paul said, I was that. That's what I was. Look at how Paul describes his life after the flesh in Philippians chapter number 3. Look at Philippians chapter number 3. Just hold your place there in Romans. We'll be back there. But in Philippians 3, um, um, I think most of us have been in church a while. We're familiar with what Paul says here, but I just want to remind you tonight. um, And... 
even Paul uh, reminded folks of things because of, uh, uh, he said, you know, in the very first verse there in Philippians 3 and verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it's safe. It's, it's safe for us to look at these things that um, maybe we know, but we kind of forget them a little bit from time to time. But I want to pick up in verse number 3, and we see Paul describing his uh, flesh, uh, his life after the flesh, talk, talking about the fact that if anybody had a right to boast in the flesh, he had a right to boast in the flesh, but he did not boast in the flesh. Look at uh, verse number 3, excuse me, uh, verse number 4, excuse me. He says, Though I might ha also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he gives the reasons why. He says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. So uh, Paul, uh, if anybody could have boasted as a Jew, He's saying, you know, I should have been the one to do that, but he put all that aside and embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus walked this earth, he had this to say about the Pharisees to his disciples. He said in Matthew 15, verse 14, he said, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And so the Jew was confident that he was a guide of the blind, but the sad part about it is, is he was blind too. Okay? Second thing we see is that the Jew was confident that he was a light of them which were in darkness. That's the second thing that we saw Second uh, of those second uh, five uh, things that we're looking at. To the Jew, uh, the fact that the Gentile was in darkness was unmistakable. In fact, uh, they were probably... Uh, uh, Paul's great cheering section whenever the first chapter was being read, especially verses 18 through 32, because they saw the Gentiles all in that. And as they were all, all into this, you know, Paul has really, is really nailing uh, the Gentiles hide to the wall until he gets to uh, chapter number 2 and says, thou, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, wherefore thou art, thou that that judges, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Um, they were quick to see the fault in others, not quick to see their own fault. Um, Paul doesn't refute uh, the fact that the Gentiles were uh, in darkness. The Gentiles were in darkness, and, but so were the Jews that gloried in their religion of Judaism and failed to see their need for the gospel. Look at what the prophet Isaiah had to say in Isaiah chapter number 42. Isaiah 42, and speaking of the coming Messiah and his ministry actually to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, verse number 1, speaking of when the Lord would come, and it says in Isaiah 42, 1, Behold my servant, 
uh, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. That's speaking of the coming Messiah there. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, uh, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord, uh, just saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will give thee, uh, uh, and we will, we will keep thee, excuse me, and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles, to open the, the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners, from the prison, and, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Uh, so it speaks of the, of the ministry of Messiah even to the Gentile there. Look at uh, Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the the earth. See, Jesus didn't just come to save the Gentiles. I mean, to save the the, uh, Jews. He came to save the Gentiles too. He came to be a light to both. And uh, look at Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 42. Acts 13, verse number 42. And we see uh, the Apostle Paul and and Barnabas in action here. And uh, basically, we know, uh, we've said many times before, when the, the Apostle Paul would come to town, he would go to the Jews, he would go to the synagogue, preach in the synagogue, uh, if he got rejected and kicked out of the synagogue, he would go then to, to the Gentiles. And we see here uh, one of those instances, and he basically shakes the dust off his feet uh, of these folks that he is bringing the gospel to that are rejecting it here. Acts 13, verse number 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Preaching of the gospel. Amen. And verse 43, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Think about that. Just about the whole city, Jew and Gentile, come together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews, verse 45, When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you 
and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. That's what we just read in Isaiah 49 and verse 6. And he's referring to that here when he is saying, Okay, Jews, you had your chance. But now we're going to the Gentiles. And then look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the, the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the Lord, word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But, there you go, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook the dust off the feet, uh, shook off the dust of their feet against them, and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So we see, you know, they were confident they were alike uh, to those who were in darkness, but yet they chose to remain in darkness. The Jews who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel were not capable of rendering any light. Uh, John 1, Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And John 1 verse 10 and 11, talking about he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Rejected, rejected. What the unbelieving Jew could not see was that he was in darkness as well as the Gentile. Here's the third thing. The Jew was confident that he was an instructor of the foolish. The Jew esteemed himself qualified to instruct those who were ignorant. And... In other words, those who were without knowledge. Yet the unbelieving Jew was also ignorant. Uh, look at uh, Romans chapter number 10. And later on in, in this book of Romans, uh, uh, Paul speaks of this. Romans 10 verses 1 through 5 here. And we see that uh, the Apostle Paul had a great uh, burden for his people. I mean, he was an Israelite. He was a Jew. Um, he was saved by God's grace and he wanted his nation, he wanted the people of Israel to be saved by God's grace. And I, I know it broke his heart when he would preach to the Jew and they would reject the gospel. But look at verse number 1 uh, through uh, uh, 5 here. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Note what he has to say about him. He says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. A zeal of God. It's good to have zeal, isn't it? But not according to knowledge. In other words, they weren't zealous about the truth. They weren't zealous about the right things. Verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now see, they... They would take the Gentile and they said, well, they're just a bunch of ignorance. You know, we're smarter than they are. Uh, uh, but they were ignorant of God's righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. 
For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Uh, but we know that no one can do that. Um, he emphasizes that in Romans chapter number 3 that we'll see later on. Um, not tonight, but we'll see it when we get to chapter 3. But, but here uh, he, he was showing that the Jews, uh, they wanted to establish their righteousness they, by what they did, but what they did was insufficient. Uh, they were full of unrighteousness themselves. Um, a fourth thing uh, that we see in, in our text there, the Jew was confident that he was a teacher of babes. Uh, the Jew esteemed himself qualified to instruct those who had very little knowledge, thinking uh, of you know the little, little ones coming up. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 4. And uh, they were given the instruction that they were to teach their children as they were to come were coming up, but sadly they did not teach them rightly, and uh, it, it showed out in their in, in their walk. Deuteronomy chapter number four. Uh, let's take a look at verse number seven, and it says, "For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them?" Think about that. Israel had God draw near unto them. If, just think about if they had draw, desired God as much as God desired them. That would have been great, wouldn't it? Uh, and, but it says here, uh, as the Lord our God is in all things that, that we call uh, upon Him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous uh, as all this law which I set before you this day. You know, God was, a, God was great in giving them the law for them to see, hey, you know, we don't measure up and we, we need the Messiah that's going to come. We, you know, we really need the Lord in our life. And look at verse 9. It said, only take heed to thyself. Well, that's one place where they didn't take heed at, okay? They didn't take heed to themselves, first of all. And said, Take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Now, they thought that what they were teaching was sufficient, but uh, uh, they, they strayed. Uh, they were not teaching as they should. Look at Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 4. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Whoa, that's where they messed up at right there. Eh? Uh, uh, we fall short of that, don't we? we? Just really do. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. They were supposed to keep them before themselves. Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Uh, so they were to speak of these things. Um, they were confident that they were teacher of babes, yet they failed in teaching their own children. The Jew also 
last of all, was confident that he had a form of knowledge and of truth in the law. They, they had the written revelation from God, but listen, the power was absent. They had, they had God's revelation, but uh, what, it, what the Lord designed for it to do, um, it was not happening. Look at Paul describes this in 2 Timothy 3 5, uh, those in the last days uh, who would have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You know, there are many who may know the vocabulary but do not know the vocation of being a Christian. There are those who profess the truth but do not personally possess the truth. Uh, they. Uh, here the Jews had the truth that had been given to them and they were uh, they had it in their grasp but they it, it did not have them now what does all this mean let's look back at our text again and we're going to pick up in verse number 21 uh, let's read verse 21 through 24 and I'll make some comments here what it all means the, the things that we've looked at last week those uh, first five and the, and the five tonight what it all means is they were guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> uh, bottom line. That's the bottom line. Verse 21. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? <laughs> uh, they were good to teach. They just weren't very good to do. <laughs> thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, uh, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Listen, they knew the word, had head knowledge, and, and taught the word, but they disobeyed the word. Dishonoring both God and God's name in the process. By boasting of the law, they proclaimed their conviction that the law was from God. They said, this is God's law. They would proclaim that. But by breaking the law, they denied the law. And actions are a true test of a man's real opinions. Their breaking the law did more to dishonor it than their boasting of it did to honor it. And this is always the case. It matters very little what a man's opinions may be. His practice may do far more to disgrace God than his profession does to honor God. God, God wants us to, to live uh, in the right way, not just, uh, not just to speak good things. It, it's a life of, uh, uh, and conduct and not merely a profession of the lips that does real honor to God. By their action, they had blasphemed the name of God among the Gentiles. Um, the Old Testament proves this out. Isaiah 52, verse number 5. Listen to this. Is it, now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, and they're carried away into captivity? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Okay. I mean, the Lord allowed them to be carried away into captivity it's because of their sin. Uh, but them being carried away into captivity that the Lord allowed, yet His name was being blasphemed because they were supposed to be known as the people of God. Amen? 
And they were. Ezekiel 36, verse 23. says, And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Listen, God's honor and reputation are at stake among His people. When God's people fail, the heathen not only despise them, but they blaspheme God. They say, well, must not be much that God thing. Must not be much to that Savior that they talk, want to talk about if we're not living what we profess. If we're not going to live for God, it would be better for God if we didn't profess to know Him. God is more interested in our possession than our profession. Look at verse 25. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision, which was the pride of the Jew, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it is if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he uh, is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, but whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, when circumcision was given, it was an outward seal of a covenant relationship. And it was given to Abraham and was merely a badge or an outward mark of being the Lord's. It was a mark showing I belong to God. Uh, that needed to be followed up with a life lived in submission to God. Similarly, you know, we have, uh, as believers, we have water baptism as the outward expression of the work of God in the heart. Okay? And it's a mockery if the person baptized gives no evidence of salvation in it. You know? You've seen, probably seen in your time, I know I have many, many times, folks come and they claim they get born again, get up, you know, they're, they're baptized, and nothing in their life changes. And there's uh, no evidence of salvation anywhere. Well, it just seems like a mockery, doesn't it? The person who gives evidence of God in his life but has not been baptized is actually better off than the person who has been baptized but gives no evidence of God in his life. The outward rituals of religion can never bring a sinner into right relationship with God. That's basically the bottom line of what Paul has been saying in these verses that we've dealt with these last two weeks. Yes, the Jew, uh, they had religious ritual. But those religious rituals, the outward rituals, could never bring them into a right relationship with God. In fact, they actually hindered the Jew. The Jew thought by doing these outward rituals, they were okay with God, but they weren't. It was a heart matter. They weren't right with God. Don't trust 
in your religious rituals to make you right with God is what Paul is getting at here. Trust Jesus to make you right. And that's what he's getting to. Amen. Uh, uh, as, as, he move, as he move through this letter, that's what he's getting at and getting, it, getting to. Don't trust in your religious rituals to make you right with God. Trust Jesus to make you right. And, sh- and show that you trust Jesus by the life that you live. So it's not just a matter of saying, well, I trust Jesus in my life. You do? Well, show it. Show that you trust Jesus. Uh, how do you should do that? By living a resurrected life. His resurrected life. See, he wants to live His life through our life. I am crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen. May God help us uh, to live of what we profess, such, such that His name is glorified through our lives rather than being blasphemed through our lives. And that a lost and dying world can see that, hey, uh, these folks that uh, uh, have professed Christ and are living uh, their, the, according to uh, the Word of God, boy, they just seem a lot different than others. We ought to be different because of what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight.